Welcome to the podcast, everybody. Appreciate it. Jeff Stanton, Rick Johnson, 13 national supercross and motocross titles uh, together. Incredible uh, couple of champions of the sport. And, I mean, again, as I say in this podcast upcoming, I don't want to be super dramatic here, but Gainesville 1989, things changed. RJ was the best rider in the world there was no doubt, and uh, uh, he got landed on, broke his wrist. Jeff was learning, coming on. Jeff went on to win six national and Supercross titles after Rick got hurt. He learned a lot of things from Rick. Uh, RJ never won another title, won some races, but never won another title. And what could have happened in motocross history if uh, Danny Storbeck hadn't landed on RJ's wrist? Certainly Jeff was up and coming and would have won a lot of titles and, and nationals. Uh, from there but you never know and it changed motocross history and it's just an interesting thing these two guys became friends um rick showed jeff a lot of the ropes got helped him get a ride on honda jeff took uh took everything worked his balls off uh took it to another level and won six titles and uh it's just interesting to have both these guys i've talked to both of them separate podcasts over the years about uh each other and what went on and what happened and and uh and learning from them, and uh, and I mean, I, I even remember Rick telling me one time, like, "Oh shit, like I taught this kid too much, you know." And look how good he is. So, the uh, factory Honda in the early '90s, when Rick came back, and uh, Jeff was on top of the number one plate, and you had JMB, and the mechanics were fighting, and such an interesting dynamic. Roger DeCoster, Dave Arnold, there as managers, trying to put out fire after fire. I've heard from a few, more than a few people, about the. Uh, the dramatics going on behind the scenes with these guys. But, uh, I mean, look, uh, Jeff Stanton and Rick Johnson, two of the uh, greatest riders our sport has ever seen, uh, and they will always will be, uh, providing uh, memories of, of so many great victories over the years that it's pretty cool. I wanted to do this. I've done this. Uh, Wardy and Lachine did one. Um, RJ and Ward did one with me. I, I just we did the factory Yamaha one a few years ago or a year ago or so. I just... I really think these things are cool to set up. They're fun for you people to hear. They're great uh, for me to do. I love doing things like this and uh, having two guys on the line to talk about this kind of stuff. And this thing came together in like four hours. I texted both of them. First, I texted each one individually to see if they'd be down with it, which they were. Then I put them together on a group text, and boom, it happened within like four hours, five hours. They both were free, and they said, let's do it, and... Good God, it was awesome. I couldn't, uh, never thought it would come together that easy. But that that's actually uh, pretty sweet. So anyways, uh, thanks for listening to these. I appreciate it. BTOsports.com, RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. Thanks to RacerX for putting these uh, online. Uh, thanks to Jeff Stan and Rick Johnson for their time, man. Uh, these guys aren't, uh, they got nothing to gain from telling their old stories and talking about each other. And uh, so I really greatly appreciate the time to, uh, to do this. And uh, you guys need to listen in because uh, some pretty cool stuff. Pretty cool stories. A couple of motocross legends. Thanks, and we'll see you around next time. A Pulp MX Network production. Pulp MX fans, we're 550-plus shows and counting thanks to your support of our sponsors. Get the Pulp MX app for iOS and Android today. Save money with discount code PULPMX at BTOsports.com and click the Amazon banner on PulpMX.com for all other online purchases. It's the BTOsports.com Steve Mathis Show, presented by Fox Racing on RacerXOnline.com. The original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, 
stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome to the BTOsports.com RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We appreciate it. BTOsports.com, the nation's leading retailer. Anything you need for your bike or body, check, out, uh, check it out. And uh, international guys, great shipping rates to you. Use the code PulpMX when you check out to save yourself money at uh, BTOsports.com. And, of course, Fox Racing. Uh, what can you say about them? The global innovation leader in motocross racewear, Foxhead.com. 2015 stuff out now. Kenny Roxon, Ryan Dungey, of course, just some of the guys that wore Fox. And one of these guys wore Fox on the line right now. And um, love having both of these guys on. 13 national Supercross and Motocross titles between these two guys. Former teammates. And uh, love to have both of them on the show to talk about uh, their time together and the sport in general. And uh, I'm honored, privileged to have uh, a couple of great guys on the line. First up, uh, seven-time National Supercross Motocross Champion, the great Rick Johnson. Rick, what's up? Thanks for doing this. What's happening, Mathis? It's always a pleasure to be on your show, and now uh, we get to go take a trip down memory lane, 1989 style. Yeah, absolutely. Also on the line uh, in Michigan, uh, enjoying the hell out of life, is uh, the Jeff Stanton. Stanton, what's up, man? No, not much. I'm, I'm doing good. Uh, like, like RJ said, a pleasure to be on. And, uh, yeah. You know, keep in touch with the industry. It's a huge, huge part of my life. I, you know, I may not, I may not be there every weekend now, but I'm, I'm in front of the TV checking it out, and uh, so it's, yeah. it's good to be a part of the program. No, it's good for sure. And, and, and Rick, you're back on the scene working with Blake Baggett at the Yosh Suzuki team, and, and doing well with that. We, I had, I, talked, I had Blake on the uh, Pulp Show the other day, and he talked a lot about uh, working with you and how, and that's going well for you. Um, and Jeff, you worked with Justin Barsha for a number of years, and of course, you were a you know big rider coach with Honda for a long time. I guess I'll start with you, Rick. How's it being back at the races and working with a guy like Blake? Well, at first, when when Mike Webb called me, I was kind of like, well, you know, he says first he said, hey, can you come out and look at his starts and you know give him a couple tips or this and that. So I went out to the Suzuki test track and I was watching him. I said, you you're all right with if I give him a talk to him about a couple other things as well and he's like sure go ahead right. so um just was watching what he was doing with his hands and his feet and his eyes and how he was attacking it he was riding the thing very similar to which i see a lot of the guys have this trouble when they get off the the lights or the 250 and get on the 450s they try to ride it the same way and it's 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 too gnarly mm-hmm. and those things are so fast fuel injected so much horsepower so much torque you know um that you have to ride it completely different and Ones, you know, so we started adjusting his style a little bit, working with him, and mm-hmm. and man, he's he's just come around. So he's awesome to work with because he's in such great uh, cardio shape. Um, so we can try stuff all day long, and he doesn't tire. So mm-hmm. very similar to a guy, this fat farmer kid that I knew back in the day. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> uh, and and uh, Jeff, you're uh, you're not working with with Barsha anymore. You're 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 back at home, but. Do you miss it? Do you, uh, do you, do you, I mean, I think the travel, you definitely talked to me a few times about how the travel sucked, but um, do you enjoying your life now and not, not being at the races every weekend? Yes, I am, actually. Um, you know, we started up another business back here in Michigan, and it took off like gangbusters, so mm-hmm. we're very fortunate for that. And so that was kind of the whole plan of really pulling back from Justin. You know, Justin and I talked a bunch about it last year, and mm-hmm. 
Um, I love him or hate him. I, I enjoy I enjoy his company and, and his family. Um, they're just a, a fun people to deal with, and and he, he needs some guidance along the way with mm-hmm. with everything, life, training, riding, and everything. So. It, it was it was a tough decision, but uh, I don't. That's just it, you know. Yeah. RJ knows he travels with the truck thing and and does all kinds of stuff. The travel just is, it's it's ridiculous, and so right. I still have one in high school that's uh, super active in all the sports. I don't want to miss that. I got one that's a freshman in college and is headed to the national championship uh, in in a, in the equestrian for NCAA. So yeah, I'm chasing yeah. my kids around, enjoying that, and so. I got no complaints. Yeah, it's funny at the races that you look around, and, and Jeff, you were there last year, but uh, Wardy's helping Sealy. RJ, you're there a lot with Blake. Uh, Johnny O's helping Justin. Obviously, Justin's hurt right now, but Johnny O was around. Uh, Red Dog is uh, helping out Trey Kennard. Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's cool to see you guys sticking around and, and still having something to offer uh, training-wise, riding coach-wise, life-wise, life-coaching-wise. Um, you know, because some of those pratfalls and things that these guys do nowadays, uh, Jeff, uh, you, you see Justin doing it or, or, you know, Red Dog sees Canard doing or whatever, right? Exactly. And so, you know, we've been down the road and can kind of head things off before things turn to a, to a disaster. And so, and, and I agree, we're just watching the segment that they had at Daytona with everybody there. Mm-hmm. You know, helping those guys out, and you know, uh, Sealy's doing awesome. You know, with with what Wardy's doing with Sealy, so yeah. there's advantages and disadvantages, obviously, obviously for the individuals <clears throat> as far as us traveling and mm-hmm. and being gone away from family. But uh, um, I think we have a lot to offer any any one of yeah. those riders. I'm, I'm not looking for RJ. I'm not looking for you to tell me. You know, you walked uphill to school both ways back in the day or whatever. Like, I'm not trying to get that um, get that going here, but but certainly from your day to now, I want to know what's better for riders and what's worse. What do you, what do you, what do you miss or what do you think should be what, – what should we do more that is like your day and what's better than your day? What, give me your thoughts on – now you're back in the scene and, uh, and going to the races more. Well, the bikes are so much better. I mean, just with the, how stiff the chassis are and how – Guys can jump super far and not break things. You know, Jeff right. Jeff will remember, you know, breaking wheels out at Honda Land and stuff like that. And we had great bikes. Right. You know. But they were still they were still, you know they were a little bit of a handful at some time, especially the five hundreds. Um what I don't miss is the the schedule that these guys have now. They start, you know, first week in January. We used to have the Golden State or you know, you could go ride that or the Florida Winter Am. Mm-hmm. Kinda get used to the new bike and get used to racing against guys and who's fast and who's slow and, and, and who's working hard and who's not. Now it's just these guys are chasing a ghost um, during the winter, getting on a bike, getting a couple weeks testing in, and then jumping right in, right in and that's what got Blake. Mm-hmm. Um, what I miss is the, the awesome competition, you know, racing with the guys like Jeff and Wardy and mm-hmm. Brock and Lachine and and Bailey and O'Mara, and the list goes on and on. Um, because that's the, the, the best thing about motocross, and you can't duplicate it in any other form of motorsports, is that the rider is 95% of the equation. Now, mm-hmm. you can't put a guy on a Hodaka, you know what I mean? Right. But, you know, Dungy's, uh, Dungy, where, the way he's riding right now, you put him on any bike, and I think he's going to do the same thing. When James is on top, same thing, you know? Um, some bikes do one thing a little bit better than others, but 
right now they're all really, really close. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeff, you were back for a number of years. Did what made you shake your head at the things? I mean, RJ talks about the schedule. Where there, is that something you agree with, or is there something else where you were just like, man, this is what are we doing nowadays? <laughs> we should no. I I agree a hundred percent on the schedule because yeah. you know back in the day we went to Atlanta and then we went to Gainesville and then mm-hmm. to Daytona. There was there was a mix there, mm-hmm. and uh, now if somebody gets hurt, they're in big trouble. You know they're they're done. Their, their championship's over. You know we can use rocks and for an example. Mm-hmm. You know if he had a weekend where he could maybe do some outdoor riding and you know squeeze an outdoor national and try to recover a little bit. It's just such a grueling, grueling schedule. Just mm-hmm. bam, 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 all supercrosses one weekend off, finish it out. So it's a battle of nutrition. You know, who can keep healthy and, mm-hmm. and not hurt and, and fit and not sick with all the travel that goes on. So the, the schedule is, is tough. Yeah. I agree 100% on the bikes. And Villapoto, you put him on any bike last year, he's going to win. Right. And it was the same back in the day. You put RJ on uh, any bike back in the day, he would have figured it out and won. So... Mm-hmm. Um, the schedule's gnarly. Did you ever, Jeff, look around at the the, I guess the uh, the people helping Justin out, uh, the gear guy, the goggle guy, the team suspension guy, motor guy, team manager? Kind of wonder. Hey, I remember when me and Dan Bentley were just in a van <laughs> together? Did did, 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 did that ever? Because I think that's a huge thing. I mean, I think that the number of people in these guys' ears nowadays is phenomenal. They have to try to. They have to have trouble. They have to have trouble blocking some of it out. Yeah, for sure. There's a uh, <clears throat> there's a whole entourage of people anymore. It's not just a couple of individuals in a box van. You mm-hmm. know, it's a, it's a whole army. Sometimes it's a little too much, especially for you know a guy like Justin that you know everybody wants to see him win, and he's mm-hmm. you know a, a good looking dude. So everybody wants him to do press, and everybody wants him to do you know yeah. jump jump through the hoops, and he's not one that that that, that likes that or is good with it. So right. Um, you know, I always said if you take a guy Whoa. like James, and R.J. takes Whoa. James and and moves moves him to an undisclosed area, and works with him solely, no family, no nobody, uh, he would have been invincible. And you do the same a guy like Justin. I take Justin and move to an undisclosed area, and just <laughs> do our do our work. Show up on the weekends. You can make a champion on any one of them. There's so many distractions in today's world. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yep. Um, hey, so let me let me get into uh, into into the uh, you, you guys and your your relationship here. So I don't know how it happened, but Jeff Stanton, the this kid from Michigan that sort of came into pros as a, a 500 specialist riding for Factory Yamaha on a YZ 490. Uh, RJ, you're SoCal. You're the you're the top rider in the world at the time. Uh, Jeff, you went. Uh, in 1988 on a Yamaha, you got fourth in 250s, third in five third in 500s, and uh, tenth in 250 Supercross. And RJ, again, you you won two of the three series that year. Uh, do you guys in '88, Jeff, when you're on a Yamaha? Let's start with you. How does do you just become friends with Rick somewhere along the line? How did that happen? Yeah, we did actually in '88. Started doing some stuff together. I remember we just talked about it the last time RJ and I were together, mm-hmm. and he came here and rode at uh, one of our home hometown tracks here before Redbud and spent some time together and uh uh because there was some talk late in 88 about you know doing something with Honda and mm-hmm. so I'm sure he was a big influence to Dave Arnold uh, about making that happen and so um yeah we just uh, started doing stuff together and I I had a good 
500 season that year, and mm-hmm. it was always fun battling, uh, you know, the, the factory guy in a Honda that was on, on the best bike there ever was, and, and I was still on my air-cold <laughs> ring-a-ding-ding 490. So. Drum break, drum break. Yeah. <laughs> so, but they had, those, were, those were great fun years, though. I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade those for anything. RJ, so, like, as a fan, I'm in Canada, and I'm seeing factory Honda pick up this guy that, He's a good four, a good four ninety rider, but I'm like, there's just no way he's ever going to you know win supercrosses and, and and be like that. But did you see something in him? And how much did you, how much <laughs> influence did you have to with Dave to get Jeff on the team? Well, you weren't alone in thinking that. Um, Roger w- wasn't sure, and Dave wasn't sure, and <clears throat> so what? But what I saw was, you know, I started. I, I remember when I first saw Jeff, we were in Japan, mm-hmm. and I watched him and. You know, he's you know, a bigger guy, stocky, strong, and the bikes weren't that awesome at Yamaha at the time, and he was making it work. And so then when I would go up and stay at his house, you know, his dad had me wrangling cows in the morning and stuff like that. <laughs> but I, I, when we would go train, whatever it was, he would do it. It didn't matter at first how bad it hurt, right. how long a moto I rode, he would, he would do it. And... And I watched him, you know, like I said, in racing with mm-hmm. him, what he could do on the bike. He just didn't have a supercross track to test on. He didn't, <laughs> you know, he didn't know, you know, some some of the techniques and stuff like that. But he, but he was just a sponge, unbelievable sponge. And mm-hmm. if I did it, he would do it. And so I, I had confidence that he would step right up, you know, right off the bat. Mm-hmm. And but you know, I, I think it didn't surprise me as much as I think it did the rest of the world. But right. I, I mean, I knew. I, I knew where he was going. Uh, Jeff, uh, Jesse Nelson from the uh, TLD KTM team, you know, he told me, he's a young kid, and he's like, hey, I was training and this and that, and then last summer he went to go hang with uh, Alden Baker down in Florida and those guys, and it opened his eyes to, oh, wait, I thought I was doing well and working hard. This is what these guys do. Is that sort of what you saw in Rick, where you were like, oh, wait, this guy works a lot harder than I did or do? Oh, for sure. Yeah. You you think, you know, when you first come in, you think you're doing everything. You know, you get some bicycle rides in and some runs, but right. uh, there was so much more to it, you know, with with the, the weight training that needs to go on and mm-hmm. and the riding and, and, and the physical training as well. And so, uh, yeah, it's always a big learning curve. Um, so Honda calls you and offers you a contract, and it takes you, what, uh, half a second to grab a pen? Or yeah, say, for sure. <laughs> to say, hey, I'm in? Because back then, I mean, you you had to be on a Honda. And the HRC. Right. And, you know, the the RJ, the David Bailey, the Ron Lachines, you know, everybody. That that was mm-hmm. That's where you had to be. That was the bomb, you know? Yeah. Do you remember riding the first time you rode a factory CR? And you were like, oh, wait, this is what I've been missing? Yeah, I was scared to death. <laughs> 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 so, yeah, no, those those are fun times, and then uh-huh. you know making the transition in that off season, going to, you know, what you see, you see so much about Honda Land and going to that that place and riding with all these guys, you know, it was it was intimidating. It was a big eye opener. Rick, and you said you kind of said to Jeff, oh, maybe I'm getting some of the stuff uh, uh, wrong, and you guys can correct me, sure. But at some point, Rick, you're like, hey, Jeff, uh, come to California and stay with me, and I'll I'll help you, and like this is. Uh, you know, obviously this goes on now a little bit, but at the time you were probably like, uh, yeah, this guy's cool. Let me try to help him out. Well, 
I was because my plan was to run that three-year contract out, and I wanted to go to Europe. I wanted to be. I wanted to do what Villapoto was doing now. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted to be the guy that uh, the, the the American that went over there at the at the peak of his career, not at the end. You know, right. Danny Laporte won the championship. Radlacki won a championship, but like, um, I wanted to go. I wanted to go put a stamp on it, mm-hmm. um, and. So I said to Jeff, and I also said to to them because Jeff was good to me, man. He welcomed me into his house. That you know, his mom and dad fed me. You know, hanging out with his, his family and, and all the stuff. So I said he can come stay with me. I have a I have a test track. I have you know a gym, a trainer. We have a, have everything, and and he can just learn and and learn. He did, man. And then that's you know everything that we did. I mean, we were, I got hurt. You know, I got remember Jeff. I got hurt a little bit right before the first round, yep. and so I, so I was out actually watching Jeff ride because I couldn't ride at first. Okay, and then and then uh, and so I was you know in a way I was kind of doing double duty. You know, it's frustrating for me being on the sides sidelines, but it was also great. It's it's very gratifying to watch the guy that, that you're working with um, accomplish his goals. So he was getting faster and faster all the time, and, yeah. he, and he just. And he transformed himself too. Like I said, he went from kind of a, a pudgy kid to yeah. you know really strong and, and and very very serious about every aspect of it, not just getting on the bike. I mean, Rick, would you go and help Jeff with riding technique? Would it be like, hey, you, I mean, was it was it that in depth, or, or was it sort of? I mean, Jeff. I mean, I mean, I, I'd give you tips and stuff like that, but he was pretty much. He would watch me, and whatever I would do, it, <laughs> right. it, it was easy. You know, I didn't have I didn't have to break it down for him. I'd say, "Hey, jump, you know, maybe jump like this, or right. we go play ride or do something." And he he'd mimic me. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, did, don't wouldn't you say that, Jeff? I mean, yeah. Well, I didn't, where was where I didn't was that break it down? Cross, where was that supercross track that you had way out in the middle of way out in the middle of nowhere? Where, what was remember that? I mean, obviously, yeah, you out, out, yeah, Daly's. Out of Daly's, yeah, Daly's out I, I, I can still picture every jump on that track. It was intimidating. The jumps were ginormous, but <laughs> you know, you go out and you ride with a guy. You ride yeah. with RJ, and you, you know, you case some after a while, and you figure it out. And you know, when we're testing, you watch them ride, and you learn and adapt. And you know, you. I say it to kids now: you surround yourself with successful people and good people. Good things happen. And right. I, I, I was fortunate enough to be able to surround myself with great people at Honda. And spend a, a whole winter with RJ in El Cajon, mm-hmm. learning everything—the riding, the training. Um, you know, I, I still remember—I don't remember his name—but I still remember the gentleman's face that we we did weight training with that that whole summer. Yeah. The big colored guy—I I can't remember his name. You, you know, remember his name? <laughs> Mike Douglas. He was—he was a—he was a former yeah. football player and a natural yeah. bodybuilder, and and so he 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 trained us to be ready for anything, mm-hmm. and and it worked. Um. Yeah, at some point, I guess Jeff. Yeah, you hooked up with the trainer. Was it you working with Spencer then, or because you did no. get pretty lean? Uh, well, I don't know what Jeff did because I mean, you changed. You were, you and I were about the same size, about what between one seventy five and one eighty five, fluctuate back and forth. And then after I I quit. Um, you yeah. got down super skinny. <laughs> yeah, Jeff, you were you lost a lot of a lot of muscle. From, yeah, that, a lot of the right things didn't happen there. So, yeah. but when that when we spent the the when I spent the winter at RJ's, you know, we we physically trained ourselves and worked mm-hmm. with that Mike Douglas on weight training, and 
and uh, kind of rolled that way for a few years. And then, yes, I did hook up with Spencer and turned into a vegetarian and just right. trained like a madman. And you know, it right. was it was the wrong thing to do. Hindsight's twenty twenty. You know, yeah. when you're when you're in the middle of it, you don't see it because you're winning right. and you're healthy and you're fast and you're training and everything's going great. And the people around you are saying, "Dude, you got to eat. You got to do this. Mm-hmm. You're you're you know doing this wrong. You this this wrong." But you're just blind to it because you're invincible. Well, at that point, yeah, yeah you, have, you have six number one plates at that point, and you're like, look. Yeah, and so yeah. Uh, those those are the life lessons that RJ and myself and Wardy, like I said, have mm-hmm. been there, done that, and seen it. Now, you know, we can mm-hmm. maybe head that off on some some of the younger kids and put that experience towards them. Um, did you did you see improvement from uh, from Jeff a lot, RJ? From uh, from when you started to to like going into Anaheim one? I mean, were you like, oh, this guy? Because looking at Jeff's results, uh, two four four two three at the first five races, Jeff, which is you know by far you you were your your best consistency ever. So. Hey, thanks for listening to the BTOSports.com RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. Race tech people, racetech.com. These guys have been in business for over 30 years, supplying racers, riders, and tuners with factory-level suspension to everyday racer. There's a lot of top suspension guys in the pits that got their start with race tech. Trust me on this. There's more than a few guys that have learned underneath Paul Feed and gone on to, uh, to great things. Paul Feed, the original suspension guru. I guarantee you, eh, probably... 82.7% of you people listening to this podcast need some sort of suspension work, whether it's uh, just a simple oil change with new bushings and seals, give your bike some love, whether it's the right spring rate for your weight and or speed, or maybe you just need some revalving on the machine to uh, help you uh, take first place in that Chicken Licks Raceway. Something something uh, on your bike needs attention for race tech. I guarantee you. Freeze, Gilmore. Some of the guys just using uh, Race Tech Privateer Proven. They work with uh, Ben LeMay also. They're back with Ben LeMay. And uh, they offer a full line of Race Tech High Performance Springs. These springs are called High Performance because they're extremely lightweight for their rates and feature the tightest tolerances in the industry. You want to save 10% at uh, Race Tech? Go to Pulp MX 2015 when you order. You can save 10% at Racetech.com. And they're uh, proud sponsors of this podcast, and we thank you guys. All right. Back to the show. RJ, were you like kind of surprised at how quick he 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 got everything under under control? No, not at all. Because mm-hmm. because I you know I I would always go out there and you know I think I, I remember specifically you were, Jeff when I was out there giving you lap times and stuff like that. I was always chasing the ghost. So when Jeff and I would go out on the track, mm-hmm. I didn't have to chase a ghost anymore. I had somebody who was there. And at first. I might have been a little bit faster, but then we started, you know, one day he was a little quicker, one day I was a little quicker, one day, you know, back and right, forth. Right. Oh, okay. So I knew. Oh, okay. And I yeah. also knew how how much he was fading and everything, where where he was coming into the, the, the deal. So I honestly knew that it was going to be, I was going to have to fight him <laughs> for the championship. So um, no surprise on, you, on this side. You were like, shit. Look what I did! Look what I did! <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yes and no, but but right. you know I have, I'm I'm proud of that man. I yeah was proud. I was proud that that what the results that we got. And same thing. I sat on the starting line and I watched Jeremy McGrath and and you know went after mm-hmm. him too. So I don't think, hell. I mean I think, right. I know I I've uh, won more championships as as a rider selector than I am a racer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really, right? Uh, and it's kind of ironic that so. Uh, RJ, you reel off five wins in a row. Um, 
really on top of your game, maybe more than ever, uh, to start the 89 series. Jeff, like I said, you go 2-4-4, two, 2-3, four, four, two, you're right there. And at, in Atlanta, at a race I was actually at as a, as a 14-year-old kid, um, RJ, you tipped over in a turn, and Jeff, you got your first win. Funny how that works, huh, Jeff? Like, it's just, just weird how that all came together right there. Yeah, you know, you talked about those those race results, and I, I remember that it was you know almost on the podium for quite a few races there, mm-hmm. and you know which to be expected. You know, mm-hmm. I I was in a great spot. I tra- trained with the best, and so that that was where I was supposed to be. You know, right? And uh, just so happened, he you know something happened. He made a mistake, and I was able to get a win. Well, you made one too. I I don't want to I don't want to make it sound like. I- I screwed up and you won accidentally. You went off the track there. We were chasing down Cooper. He was all over the damn place. <laughs> oh, yeah, Cooper did. And you you shot off the track, got me uh, got me in, you caught me, passed me. I made a mistake. I caught back up. You screwed up something back and forth. So, I mean, it was it was I just want to clarify that. Right, right. But it was it was it was legit. He he beat oh, yeah. me that day. And oh. you know, I made one more mistake than he did, but well. hell, he's he didn't do it. Cooper looked good too at one point. And then <laughs> that, that was just a great race by a bunch of people. That's still a fun one to watch. I know. It's funny how yeah. 89 Atlanta and 90 Atlanta, two years in a row, were just phenomenal races. Yep. You know? um, yeah. Um, uh, Rick, right after the race, were you happy? Or, I mean, for Jeff? Or was it a little bit of, uh, hey, because you, I mean, five in a row at that point, you were, you know, you were, you were killing it. Yeah, but. Um... <clears throat> I mean, yeah, you're you're torn. You know, as mm-hmm. a, as a competitor, you don't want to get beat. You know, I mean, right. hell, my son just beat me in a in a rock crawling or <laughs> King of the Hammers race, and so, you know, yeah, I was happy for him, but I'm like, damn it, you know, I got right. beat. And as a competitor, you're you're you know you're that, and then hell, we're practicing the following week down in Daytona. He was right. We're out there once again. You know, mm-hmm. going around and. And Jeff is the only person that saw everything happen when it came to the altercation between Starbeck and I. And actually gave me a ride because I'm like, start my bike. He's like, your hand's over there. You're not going to be able to ride. Hop on back. And so he he ended his practice early to give me a ride back to the pit. So um, was I happy? Yes. Was I pissed off? Yes. So you know what I mean? It's just in in motocross history as as a journalist and a fan of the sport, the intersection between RJ, you you crashing, getting Jeff his first win a week later. RJ, you're the best rider in the world, without a doubt. And this wrist injury happens, and Jeff's living with you and and learning how to do it. And in Gainesville, it all comes down to you know Danny Storbeck landing on your wrist, and everything changes in motocross history. Really, I mean, yeah. I, not to like be over dramatic here, but it kind of kind of true. Um, but Jeff, first of all, Jeff, what do you remember about RJ's uh, uh, what Storbeck landed on him? What do you remember about that? No, like RJ said, I, we was kind of riding together in practice and mm-hmm. saw the whole thing happen. And so, you know, it's it's kind of surreal. You don't believe that it's really happening. You know, mm-hmm. the guy that you just spent the last six months with, you know, almost every day, um, you know, may be yeah. out, and you, you know, at the time didn't know the severity of of the injury, and so. What, you know, as a teammate and a friend, it's you, you don't ever want to see anybody go down like that. It's a bummer. What you know? did you think of Storbeck's move? Like, what was the kind of from your eyes, your end of things? Were you kind of like, what's he doing, or what's what's happening? Because Rick, you were just kind of riding over like a small double, right? No, no, no. What what happened was is, is they were running the track backwards, weren't yeah. they? Yeah. 
Yeah, they were running the they were running the track backwards, and so they had this one tree turn close to the highway, and you could either gas it and jump way up the hill, and I would kind of I scrubbed it, and Danny hit it fast, and he didn't know I was going to scrub it, and when you scrub it, you you scrub a little break, and he just you know all of a sudden I start to accelerate up the hill, I got my wrist fully twisted wide open, and I feel the his bike or his front wheel just hit me basically in the back of the shoulder to the elbow mm-hmm. and it it just peeled my hand back and broke and dislocated it so all of a sudden just i'm going then bam i'm down and i'm like what what happened mm-hmm. you know so um jeff did you know it was serious right away were you like oh well obviously with, with, the, with the pain that was going through you, you didn't know the severity but it yeah. wasn't it wasn't a good thing for sure right and now all the all the eyes are on you now um, to, to, you know, win the Supercross title, which you did. Um, RJ, you, you were out for a while. You came back for the Nationals uh, later that summer. But, Rick, uh, Jeff, you went on to win the uh, Supercross title. Um, Rick, when, when Jeff won, I mean, were you guys still talking to each other during this whole time? Or how was that relationship going uh, as you were out, RJ? And, um, and, Rick, you've told me on many, many podcasts, I mean, you got, you, you got some dark places during this injury uh, time. Um, so yeah. how, how was that? Yeah, well, you go from, you know, you come home from, from a race and you'd have a 45-minute cassette tape back in the, they used to have things called an answering machine, <laughs> and it would be full from everybody wanting to see you and how you do it and all this stuff to you get home and there's nothing on there. And, um, and, I, and I'll be honest, yeah, it, it did break my heart to sit back and watch, right. you know, watch Jeff just destroy everybody as far as I wanted to be there and race with him. And mm-hmm. that's the thing is that, you know, I, I never thought I was the, the best of, you know, of all time and all that stuff. I just loved racing. And, and I was watching how, how, how great he was riding and his timing and his speed. And his, I mean, he, everything that he was lacking in the first five rounds, he had it after that. And I think a lot of it was the, the confidence after beating me. And, uh, and, right. I'm, and I'll, honestly, I'm glad that he beat me while I was healthy. Right. You know, because you know, there's enough bullshit going on about oh this that blah blah. Right. But he he you know he did everything right and and he deserved the spot that he was in. Mm-hmm. Jeff and and did you feel extra pressure? Did anybody Roger Arnold Dave Arnold anybody kind of? I mean, did they pull you aside or was it sort of like hey now you're the guy? I mean, no, I, I actually didn't feel extra pressure, but because you get that extra confidence, right. You know, you win. You win Atlanta. You have a good race at Gainesville. Obviously, you go to Daytona, where I was good. You know, good, and mm-hmm. you, the confidence just kept rolling. And you know, you you carry on a couple of more outdoors, and then you finish out the Supercross, and then you you get confident. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I was fortunate to be at a great place at Honda. I was fortunate to spend, a, like I said, six or eight months with a great guy that you know could build confidence. Mm-hmm. And so it. I was fortunate. It just kind of uh, rolled all together. Right. I was physically prepared, mentally prepared, and you know they they did what they did what they were supposed to, and I did what I was supposed to. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. It's uh. It's you know, and then uh, obviously, Rick, you came back uh, later that year. Uh, you didn't win any races until later on in the nationals. You uh, well, no, you won the GP. You won the US GP in '89, right at Unadilla. And yeah, I was really proud of that because Bale had swept everybody. And mm-hmm. I'll be honest with you, when I went there, in fact, this guy just instant messaged me <laughs> on on uh, Facebook about this. But you know, Bale was actually three seconds left faster than me in qualifying, and I was like, "Is he cutting the track?" <laughs> you know. <laughs> and, but then when I looked at him, I'm like, "There's no way that he can do it for 45 minutes. Right. No way." 
So I'm just going to go as hard as I can and make him crumble, and he did. Mm-hmm. And but he was kicking my ass up until that point. Right, right, right. And Jeff, when RJ came back, it was uh, you. I mean, you were in in the middle of the 250 National Series with with bat- battling it with Wardy. Um, what was that like having Rick back? Uh, were you guys still close, or was things getting a little, a little weird, or, or, or were they were they were as cool as always? How was that relationship? You know, when the top dog comes back, and Jeff, you're winning. Well, I, I'm I'm scared because the top dog's coming back in, but you know, I I know that I can see the wrist and I can see his riding style. He had to adapt his riding style, so you mm-hmm. know, you're feeling for him because. He's not healthy, right. and he's tr- trying to do it injured, and, and that's no fun. And so he's frustrated, and so, you know, you're trying to go on and win titles and right. championships for the people that you're representing. But, right. you know, when it's never any fun when your friends are hurt and, uh, and uh, you're feeling bad for them. And, you know, I'm sure, not putting words in his mouth, but he, he obviously is frustrated because right. of the whole right. situation. So. Uh, it, you know, it wasn't fun for him, but you know, you go on and do what you got to do. RJ, you kind of knew you weren't going to come back and win, right? Like your wrist was not right. No, I, you know, I was trying stuff, and I, I felt I had a couple decent days, you know, and and um, but it, it wouldn't matter if it wasn't it wasn't because it wasn't Jeff. It could have been anybody that was now dominating right. you know what i mean because yep. i knew what it felt like i knew what it felt like to go to sleep as the as the guy to beat i knew what it was like to wake up you know and and all that mm-hmm. and now all of a sudden i'm the guy that's struggling to to be top five and and i was like i i was did everything right physically i just couldn't do it with my hand you know and 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 because because jeff was who he was probably one of my proudest wins was the year later at gatorback because right you know, I, I went one one, and he was painted on me. I mean, <laughs> we were so close, and I raced yep. so hard. You know, and so it wasn't like, see, I told you I'm the best. It was like, it's like, yes, I, I, I still, I still can race at a top level, and it was, it was awesome racing with them because I, we never bumped, rubbed, took each other out, but we were so close to each other the right. whole race. I, I know you remember that, Jeff. Oh yeah, yeah, no? yeah, yeah. ninety Gainesville. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I've I've been on a bunch of teams in my mechanicing career, and I've seen things happen, the mechanics and mecha- managers and things like that. It doesn't make them bad people or anything else. But RJ, did you see team Honda people kind of? I don't want to say blowing you off, because but Jeff getting a little more attention or love. Did things change that way when you got back? No, no, not at all. That was good. That's the one thing that was cool about Honda. Whatever you needed as an individual, Mm -hmm. they did it for you. And Roger, you know, Roger and Dave and and Brian Lunnis and and everybody uh, wanted me back to to do good. And not to be Jeff, but just to be back racing and and to be be part of the team again. And um, the biggest change that I saw was just between, was was Jeff and, and Danny. You know, they went from, at first, kind of like, you know, we're, we're following, we're kind of doing what we need to do, blah, blah, right. to when when I wasn't there, they took the alpha male spot, boom, immediately. And I don't mean that badly. Right. It's right. awesome that, that they stepped up and they, they became that dominant force that they were. Because, you know, Danny was pretty new, not new, not a new mechanic, but to but to be to be in that spot, you know, he, he, he was on the fast track just like Jeff. So both of them were the right right 
uh, right place at the right time and the right guys for the job. Jeff, did you guys, did you and Rick ever, um, did the friendship ever get strained at all in 90, 91, uh, anywhere like that? Was How was that relationship between you two guys? Well, I don't, I, I don't think it gets strained. Um, you know, like, like RJ said, you, uh, you know, him as a racer, if, if it was me or if it was Wardy that had taken the position as mm-hmm. a racer, you're bummed out because you can't do what you want to do. So, it, you know, you may act different or, or do things differently to those individuals. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't take it as that it was a, it was a strain. You know, you don't understand what he's going through because you're at your ultimate high, winning races, winning championships, yeah. and then he's at his ultimate low, getting busted up and getting right. beat by that individual. So, you you got to take into effect the whole scenario. You got to mm-hmm. look at their side of the picture as well. And so, um, it's a tough thing to to to, to be involved in in any yeah. relationship. And uh, yeah, like I'm thinking, you're going up to Rick and saying, "Hey, um, you know, you want to go practicing?" And and Rick's like sure and then you're like well hey let's go to my track i don't know you know how these things work i mean because i was on well, you know well it would jeff jeff like i say jeff took the reins and and just kept going you know mm-hmm. um i had a I had a scenario this is an embarrassing thing for me and it's humiliating but i'll tell it anyways <laughs> is uh we're in japan and you know i'm struggling you know right. my hand hurts and all the different stuff and these 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 people walk by and they say something about oh and, and it like I said, this is humiliating to say, but Jeff might remember this. He might not. But anyways, these, these people come up, and they're saying, oh, Jeff's number one, and you're the champion, this and that. And I made some stupid comment that I regret forever. I said, yeah, but I'm the one that gets paid. I get paid more money or something like that. <laughs> and right. and I don't know why I said it. Just right. one thing you say. Yep. And I, I have to give it to Roger because Roger, like, almost – I mean, almost immediately, like, let the conversation stop for a minute. He goes, Rick, can I talk to you? And he said, you know what? You're a great champion. You don't need to say stupid shit like that, you know? Right. That, 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 was, that was uncalled for. It's disrespectful to Jeff. It's disrespectful to you, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, and I was like, it was an act of desperation and me wanting to, I don't know. Right. Act, in some way think that I'm still worthy of, of what I'm doing. And, and that was that's the stress that, that put on because, right. you know, for Jeff, it, it had to be tough, really tough, because everyone, you know, oh, but what if Rick was here? Well, if Rick was here, he might be getting his ass kicked. Who knows? You know what <laughs> right, I mean? You right. can't you can't compare that. And he was doing everything right, you know, and was faster. He was faster then than he was in the first five rounds. So mm-hmm. he might have beat he might have beat me. He might not have beat me. I don't know. Yeah, you know, but but that was that was the stressful part, and it was just me. Um, frustrated at everybody right. and it was it, it might it might look like it was i was pissed off at jeff just because he was the champion mm-hmm. but it was i was just mad at the world because i couldn't do what i wanted to do yeah jeff do you remember that or no yes and i do and, and that, that's i mean he, he's basically yeah. said the same thing i said it don't matter if who it was you know he was just you're going through the frustration of the way things turned out and so whether it would be myself or mm-hmm. you know it could have been any other rider on that team at that time so i don't i don't imagine you being bugged by this jeff but did you hear the uh oh if rick hadn't hurt his wrist oh if rick wasn't injured two hip he's the man did you hear much of that did it bug oh, you for, for sure you do for okay. sure you do did it bug and you it, 
Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'd be a fool to say it didn't bug me. Right. But you go and you back it up, you know, for consecutive <laughs> years later, and right. you know, life goes on. Right. Right. Uh, one thing about those early those Honda years, and, and someone should write a book, is you now you have the J and B factor. He was there. Uh, Brian Lunas and Dan Bentley did not get along. Uh, Roger loved JMB. Dave Arnold loved you guys. <laughs> Rick, it was an interesting time at Honda. It, it was, you know, and and I, mean, I was a fan of JMB. In fact, he won that day I got hurt. Right. He won that 250 moto. Mm-hmm. And um, he didn't do everything the way that we did it, you know. He didn't like to, to train hard, but he rode all the time and he did everything. And you know, we're we're still very much, you know, I am American, hear me roar type of shit. Mm-hmm. So it was, you didn't want to let in, you know, it's funny as people called him a commie. I'm like, he's from France. Hello. <laughs> yeah, right. um, so, so that, so that was tough. So you had, you had the different, the different personalities and you had a lot of guys, like you said, like Brian and Danny that, that I don't, not like each other, but just their personalities don't shine. Right. And, right. and so, so there was, there was a lot, there was a lot of, um, frustration, but I do remember one story <laughs> that was kind of good that we were all one happy, loving family. So we're over in Toshigi at the, the test track uh-huh. at uh, with Japan, and so Bale's there, and, and Jeff's there, and I'm there. And so we start getting on these Z50s, and so we start off, um, Stanton comes back and goes, hey, check this out. And so there was this giant hole it didn't look like it was that deep, mm-hmm. but it had these gnarly stickers, like so bad, like these sticker balls. Okay, Remember yeah, those, yeah. Stanton? Yeah. And so Stanton goes to ride through this thing, and he comes out the other side screaming. I'm like, what's the matter? He rides over to me, and it like, literally stuck to his face. It stuck <laughs> all over his clothes. Like I couldn't, right. I couldn't believe that there was that many stickers. And so he goes over, he gets himself all cleaned up, and didn't you get Arnold to, to ride through there? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> He's yep. Dave, you gotta go check this out. Check out this hole. And so Dave goes through there and gets all all these stickers all over him. And so we're laughing. And then Bale disappears for a little bit, and he comes back. He goes, "Hey, you guys!" So Jeff and I grab these little Z fifties, and we're, mm-hmm. we go over there, and he he finds this perfect, like perfectly pristine painted circle, and he's sliding around. And he's dragging the foot peg, and he's doing these donuts. And uh, <laughs> Jeff and I tried to do it, but we really couldn't do it. So we go back. We park the bike. Next thing you know, the the security guards and stuff come up because it was some spe- remember some special coding some yep. special thing <laughs> and Bale just shredded it with a foot <laughs> and so so they're like your riders are doing this and doing that and right. I'm like that, Jeff and I look at each other and go don't talk to us talk to <laughs> so we didn't do it at, yeah. the French yeah, guy we didn't do it right. he did it <laughs> so um, hey, I miss all those trips to Japan, man. We I had so much fun going to Japan. I wish I wish the manufacturers did that more. That we had some, you know, those yeah. two races that we did over there, and you go over there and test, and just the Japanese people were just they were so awesome. I I, I love Japan. Japan was fun, a fun place to go. <laughs> yeah, um, remember remember the remember the snails, Jeff. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> so they bring this stuff. The people the people from Honda take us to this really nice French restaurant and. So what I think is sautéed mushrooms mm. is I throw into my mouth and I start chewing it, and I realize it is not the consistency of a mushroom. Right. <laughs> so, so I just slide them directly across the, the table. I go, Jeff, try one. He's like, no, I, I want to. I'm like, 
eat one. <laughs> so he's like, it's not a mushroom, is it? I'm like, just eat one, because I wanted to make sure that somebody else ate one besides me. <laughs> and Jeff Stan's style, man, grabbed the biggest one, yeah. threw it in his mouth. He's like, what, what do you think it is? Well, I'm like, I think it's a snail. He's like, kind of chewy. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, Jeff would uh, would watch you train, watch you ride, eat his, eat the food that you said back then. <laughs> All right. Oh, yeah. He, yeah. And any well, I, that wasn't for training. I just didn't want to be the only idiot, right? No, yeah, a snail. Yeah, no, exactly. That was, pure, that was just peer pressure, right there. Jeff, what was it like with with Bentley, Dan, and uh, and uh, Brian at times? Well, I, you know, I, you were talking about the, the mechanics. Yeah, you know, there there was tension. Cliff, but, Cliff was in yeah. there too. Cliff loved Bale. It was. That's what I, that's what I was gonna say. You throw, you got Dan. And you got Brian, and then throw in Cliff, who's completely <laughs> unlike both of them. So it, it always made for drama, but you know what? Drama's a good thing. But, you yeah. know, it created a little competition amongst everybody. Everybody wanted to work hard. And like I said earlier, back yeah. back then, that's the place everybody wanted to be because of HRC and all the great mechanics that they had. And mm-hmm. it was just... It was it was great success. It was Dave Arnold did a great job of putting a group together mm-hmm. that didn't necessarily mesh. Right. But dude, they got it done. And that was the bottom line. No doubt. Um Rick ninety one, your last year you came out, you, you, you got an eighth in San Diego and called it a day. I remember you telling me that your wrist was locking up like on press day and stuff. Uh Jeff, did you kind of have an idea that Rick was, was hanging it up? Yeah, we had talked about that. You know, we uh, and, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we had that great battle at um, Gainesville, mm-hmm. and then yep. did, did you not get hurt at Daytona the next week? Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. Yeah, I and, couldn't I couldn't test all week because my hand hurt so bad. So we, yeah. I uh, threw Jeff's I threw Jeff's uh, suspension on for the main, and then screwed up and fell down and broke my hand again. Oh, that's right. Yeah. You, next to Denny Stevenson. You were right next to Denny yeah. in the main event, right. Denny's claim to fame. <laughs> yeah, and so I, I kind of remember that that was the next transition where, you know, things the risk got worse and things were getting worse. And so right. uh, and so going back to what you asked me, no, I wasn't surprised that it happened mm-hmm. because obviously we knew how bad the risk really was at that point. Right. Although uh, right. one more race win in you, RJ, that, that your last ever national, 1990 Unadilla 500 national, um, you win, which is pretty cool. Pretty nice way to uh, say, although you didn't know it at the time. Nice way to go right. out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Jeff had won the championship, um, and, and, first, and, he, and, maybe, and only he knows if he lightened up a little bit on the gas the last couple laps, whatever. But we diced a little bit, and and that Unadilla at that point was the kind of track that I could I could ride decent because it's a lot. It was a lot of pulling and mm-hmm. not not pushing, and so. So with the 500 and the ruddy track and all the different stuff, it, it I could ride decent with it. And uh, but yeah, Jeff won the championship and I won the won the race, and it was just it was, it was a yeah. Like I said, if I knew it was going to be my last NASA, I probably would have celebrated a little bit more. <laughs> uh, well, let's let you've said that to me a few times, RJ, over the years. Uh, so Stanton, did you give it to him? Did you give him the moto win? You went two one. RJ went one. Uh, one. No, no, no. I don't, you don't give him anything. That's okay. Absolutely not. <laughs> no, no. He earned. He earned it the, yeah. the, the, the man way for sure. Right. You're like oh, I don't care about your wrist or this may be your last national. I want to win. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's a nice way to, to go out. And then of course, like I said, ninety one. RJ, your wrist was just. It was time to go. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I what happened was is that San Diego on press day, I land. They had a triple and then the whoop section. And back then there were the they were so bad that you had to land, 
drop it into second, and then start off the first lap going two two two, and mm-hmm. then later on they get rutted and you wheel tap, but you couldn't quite blitz them, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, anyhow, I landed off the jump and I was on the back of the seat. And my hand let go and regripped wide open, and so when I hit the whoops, it shot me over the whoops and cleared home plate, and I landed on the batter box and went into the went into the uh, yeah into the dugout, and my my throttle stuck, you know. Mm-hmm. And so Ron he even checked it out. Said, you know, I got on it, it wasn't sticking. And yeah. so then we actually um, after San Diego, we went to Japan and did that race in the Big Egg. And I did, did you win that, Jeff? No, I didn't. I rode terrible. Bradshaw won it, I believe. Mm. That's right. And so, um, so we get back from there. I go to I go to practice, and my hand sticks again. Um, and I'd already talked to a couple doctors, and they had told me that I needed to retire and, and fuse the wrist. That was the only thing left. And so I, I called up. I called Dave Arnold and said, "I'm going to check." So I flew into Wyoming, saw one more guy. Mm-hmm. He, he confirmed everything. So. I said I'm not coming to Atlanta, and then went to Daytona and announced my retirement. Wow! Yeah, just like that, and uh, yeah, it's yeah, crazy, crazy to think of. I don't want to. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll wrap this thing up now. Thanks to uh, Jeff Stanton and, and Rick Johnson for doing this. It's awesome thing, um, and I don't want to get too like sappy or sentimental here. But Jeff, have you ever like at some point told RJ like thanks for everything? Uh, does it ever get weird like that, or do you? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Oh, I, I've I've told him many times that you know I I couldn't repay him back enough, and yep. that's that's part of you know I've said it even after I retired. You know I got so much out of the sport by so many great people that mm-hmm. that's as much of the reason why you know I do what I do to help people out because you have to be respectful and thankful yep. for the the people that worked with you and and kind of pay that forward and uh, uh, not bite the hand that feeds you. You know, yeah. so yeah, you you. You do you do your job. He's done his job, and you know life goes on. And yeah. here we are. How many years later, still involved in the sport that's done yeah. so well for us that uh, you know we're we're, we're all thankful for for everything the way it's all turned out. Yeah, and Jeff, I mean you've helped Nick. Way- I mean the, the amount of guys you've helped and come up to your farm and and train with you and ride with you over the years. You know you've definitely passed it on that way. There's no doubt. You know, like you're like, hey. Come on up, hang out. I, I remember I w- w- was out there with Way, and you couldn't have been any cooler, you know. Um, yeah. So yeah, you, you're definitely uh, you're passing it on that way. And RJ, pretty nice of you to uh, take a kid from Michigan, uh, you know, say hey, let's get him a ride, and then uh, show him everything. That's that's pretty cool of you to do that too back then. I mean, let's face it, you know, a lot of money, a lot of egos, things going on, and and, and tip of the hat to you for doing that. Well, yeah, and I'll be on back. I was kind of always by myself you know when, when johnny and david were such good friends and they you know they hung out together and i was jealous of that you know i, I wanted to have a, a friend someone to hang out with and race with and, and do all the stuff but then you got to watch out you know it's one thing when you know you're racing for fifth and sixth and you're stoked for each other but now right. now when you're you're racing for the spot right. sometimes it does it does get a little bit weird but uh, I don't regret anything as, as far as how the relationship went, how mm-hmm. uh, all that. And I was really proud to, you know, of what I what I saw when I was back there at Baja Acres and, you know, going and running in his house in the humidity and stuff like that, that, mm-hmm. that he was everything and more that I, that I saw. So um, yeah. I'm proud to be a part of that legacy, just like, um, like we've talked about plenty of times is with Brock. You know, Brock helped me a ton. And wasn't so much 
here, do this, here, do that. It was just watching him and, and copying him, and that's what Jeff did with me. He was a sponge. All right. Cool, man. Well, hey, uh, thanks to both of you for doing the uh, BTOsports.com RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. Uh, I, this was way easier to organize than I thought. So, I, again, I really appreciate both of you guys taking the time to do this. Um, I know people will love hearing it and love hearing the stories. And, uh, and like I said, RJ will see you at the races. Jeff, I'm sure we'll see you sometime at the races. You'll be back. <laughs> you're coming. You're coming to my my hometown this weekend. I'm actually. So I'm if, actually not. If you, if, if you all are coming this weekend, we'll be there. I'm not going. I'm missing out. I'm skipping this one. I know. First one oh, in like two years. But, but thanks again, guys. I really appreciate it. Thanks, RJ. Thanks, Jeff Stanton. And uh, great talk. And uh, thanks to both of you. All good, guys. Take care. Have a great day. All right. See ya. Thanks. This has been the BTOsports.com podcast show presented by Fox Racing. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as... The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Sorbic is that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunis. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And, and Magoo was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right, and right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't been there. The Hurricane Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike I think yeah. he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Holland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? Right. They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home. And once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take their money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse. And I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Pro Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I pulled fifth and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. It's been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny O'Mara. Stuff that you could, you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it, you just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in. I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes store to enjoy these and over 500 more great motocross podcasts.